Attention, an emergency has been reported. Please proceed to the stairwell nearest you. Do not use the elevators. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen and ladies, this is an emergency podcast. Brotherhood 2.0 has arrived. This is the Five Point Play Podcast. The Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast, now officially sponsored by the Duke Blue Brotherhood Forum and the Duke.mbb Instagram and Twitter pages. John Shire is the best recruiter in the nation. Tell me otherwise. If he can coach as well as he recruits, Duke basketball is here to stay. You know that. I know that. The whole world knows it, and they are scared, and I'll tell you why. Because the UNC and Kentucky fans that have been predicting the demise once K steps down, they are sadly mistaken. AC. My man. Tonight, we got the Rick Whitehead. <laughs> A couple of days ago, we got things started off with the Brotherhood 2.0 with Kyle Filipowski. Yes, sir. And we got, we got Jack from the Duke.MBB site with us. But AC, I'm going to start with you. Tell us the hole that John Shire has pulled in in just this last week and what kind of players they are. Well, I mean, he got he got two super important recruits in Filipowski and Whitehead because what that's showing recruits is that these top guys are not afraid to continue to commit to Duke and continue to visit and and be recruited by Duke even though Coach K is gone, which really, to me, it shows the strength of the program. And you know, it, it's all it's all good after the first year, right? But if for the next two or three years, if Shire can keep putting together classes like this, man, that's a big deal because no other no other college programs when they lost like when they lost their best coach in history, every college program has has taken a huge dip. And really, truly, only Kentucky, UNC, and Kansas have been able to restore themselves to you know the, the top of the heap as it would be, you know, versus other schools that were not able to do so. So if Duke is up there with those four in, in history anyway, so, you know, this is super important for this for this group to be able to to, to come together and for Shire and, and Dave Bradley with the social, with the NIL changing, the, the coaching staff and support staff, Nina King is the new AD, like for all of them, like this is their careers, their careers are on the line with these next three years. And it's all built around how can they recruit. So we'll get to a lot of the different things that you brought up there, but I want to bring in Jack here. Jack, obviously you're the number three um, on this podcast. You got to work yourself up to be the number two <laughs> because I'm obviously number one. Jack, you know that. <laughs> um, but Jack, so obviously you run an account that has 50,000 Duke followers and haters alike. Um, what has been the social media impact since Dariq and Kyle have committed in the last week? It's been crazy. I mean, I'm sure you guys saw it. I'll, I'll, t- I'll get to this a little later. I, just, I mean, ESPN on social media leaked Dariq's announcement before he was able to make it himself. So that's yep. a pretty big impact there. Um, Filipowski flip, um, Duke kind of hinted at his commitment about a month ago on um, in a tweet. So just like... 
obviously Coach K gone, that's gonna make it. That's gonna have an impact. But this NIL, I think NIL is a bigger. It's gonna be a big reason Duke's gonna continue getting recruits. Obviously, Shire's a great recruiter, and we've seen him already to be a, a pretty solid coach. Bare minimum, he's gonna be a solid coach. Um, but I think NIL, Dave Bradley, everything he's doing, that's gonna be huge for the future for Duke because you got the biggest audience across the major social media platforms in all of college sports. Mm-hmm. And you got you got these guys who like Derek Whitehead got a five hundred thousand dollar offer from the G League yesterday, right before announcing his decision. Like, okay, cool. The G League is gonna get you a couple of games on ESPN plus in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. The uh, <laughs> right. the uh, right. the audience that Duke gives you is and the national stage that's gonna get you a lot more than half a million dollars in a game in South Dakota in um, in endorsements. Mm-hmm. You and can do that now. Wendell Moore just today joined uh, joined up with Bojangles as a partner uh, yep. for advertising. I saw and that. That's Wendell Moore. He's he's not. <laughs> I love Wendell Moore. I think he's going to be a very important player on the team this year. Wendell Moore is not going to is not ever at like the college level going to have the impact that Derek Whitehead's going to have on the team. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just imagine what a guy like that could have. We're going to see it with Paulo this year, I think, but. Yeah, so That's I think you, yeah, you, you made a great point there um, in terms of NIL, and I figured we were going to touch on that later, but as long as you brought it up, let's touch on it now. Um, you know, AC, I think that basically what Jack is saying here is a program like Duke, and you and I have talked about this before, um, the NIL now allows a program like Duke, a program like Kentucky, a program like Carolina, um, but nobody better than Duke. And so Let's talk about real quick the Duke Blue Planet. Mm-hmm. The last ten years, what they've been able to accomplish, and you know, I hate to say, I mean, this is absolute homer talk here, but it's the truth. The reality is, is that the things that they were doing ten years ago to set us up for this moment mm-hmm. is precisely why they did it. Yep. They did this for a reason. They knew that this was coming down the pipe. Nothing that they do is for an accident. Mm-hmm. The Brotherhood logo, the Brotherhood um, mantra, the Duke Blue Planet, it all is building up for a reason. And the reason is, just like Jack talked about, is that we are the most viewed social media presence of any collegiate program that includes Alabama football, Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, whoever, and we're Duke basketball. Mm-hmm. AC, yeah. talk about the opportunities that these teams are going to have now because of the momentum and the work that has gone in over the last decade. Well, it's it's truly the the only thing that anyone in college, not anyone, any college basketball program, it's the only thing any college basketball program can offer to offset the money that the G league can throw at people or the NBL over in Australia can throw at people or the overtime league is going to try to throw at people like the ability, the ability to make your own money. You know, you're not under contract to some team that has a bunch of incentives in it. That's the thing about those contracts too. Like they say 500,000, but you're not getting 500,000. There's a lot coming out of that, or you have to perform a certain way to, to make it work. Whereas at Duke, you can just build a brand because people aren't going to stop watching college basketball. People love college basketball. So they're not going to switch over to overtime league or G league in lieu of a top notch NCAA basketball game. Like that's just not going to happen. 
And like you said, Dave Bradley has embraced what is, you know, what is the internet, what is YouTube and, and moving it all forward. Like you said, like, no, this is an accident. And even 10 years ago, I'm, I wonder if they really knew where they would be right now. But they, what they, they, they turned essentially a leaflet that they used to give to recruits, the Duke Blue Planet, into a multi-million viewer platform on the internet. And it's, it's insane, man. And like I said, that's the only thing that's going to be able to keep, keep up with getting the top recruits to come to your school because that's what Shire is going to have to do early on. Get those top recruits to spurn the G League and, and stay in college. And then on top of that, you know, be able to sustain potentially keeping some of these kids around like one and done type talents aren't they're gonna they're gonna leave one and done they're gonna leave like and they should absolutely but they're the guys like dj stewart and matt hurt and wendell moore and mark williams the guys who are like fringe players like fringe first rounders fringe draft picks whatever they're gonna be more apt to stick around if the school they're at is you know is really pumping their image you know and, and getting them followers where they can make money off of these platforms because all the players are verified and which means they can monetize themselves and everything else. And, you know, it's nothing but a partnership with social media outlets and these players. And in order to keep these guys out of the portal and out of the draft too early, having a solid, solid PR team like Duke has is good. That's what's going to keep guys around. So Jack, uh, on that front, you know, obviously you have your pulse on this because this is what you do. I mean, you, you run one of the biggest Duke basketball brands in the entire social media landscape so jack when you see this stuff what do you uh, how do you feel about these players now that knowing that they can make money off of their nil and how that allows you to do your job as you know promoting them i mean i have been able to make money off of my page and have done it for years with promotions and things like that the fact that these players haven't been able to, in my opinion, is a travesty. Like, I, I don't go to Duke, but I go to I go to a Division three school, and uh, I work in the athletic department there. And like I've seen, even like at a small D three school, the impact that not being able to do anything NIL related can have on an athlete and on an athletic department. And I think, just in general, this is something that is past due, and I think it's it's great for everyone. It can help, like. Personal branding is a big part of athletics at the college level. Um, and I think the fact that these guys are now able to partner uh, up with brands, advertise in a way that, frankly, is unprecedented, even with like the proposal the NCAA had a couple of years ago. Just, it's incredible. Um, I'm really, I'm happy this is happening. Like we've yeah. seen what Jay Billis has been saying year after year, guys mm-hmm. deserve to be paid. Like he, he was nowhere near the face of that '86 team, but he was an important part of it. So like he has the experience of being stuck in an amateur role when he's on the national stage, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's time. I'm happy that a lot of what he's been pulling for has finally come to uh, fruition, and I hope that I hope that they get more clear with their guidelines as time goes on yeah no, this I, is a needed I, needed change yeah i completely agree with you um and you know while i'm you know I, i'm 50 50 on jay billis in terms of like what he says like i love jay billis um but you know i, I am ac you know this i know i'm 50 50 <laughs> on half the stuff he says but he's uh-huh. absolutely right he's absolutely right on this and i'm glad he spoke up because he's completely correct on it um but let's move on real quick because we could talk 
for that about for four hours. Um, but ACL, why don't you talk about the players that we're getting? Talk okay. to me about Kyle Filipowski. Talk to me about their weak leg head and just the foundation that they're building. And let's be honest here, Kyle Filipowski made no bones about it. He said right out of the gate, the reason that he wanted to be, he, he wanted to be the first one. Mm-hmm. And 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 here we are on Five Point Play Podcast. I want to say that I am doing this right now. We are doing this right now. Hashtag Brotherhood 2.0. This That's is what right. this is. This is what this is. I've yep. already posted it multiple times. Jack, you know that. You've seen the post that I've been making. <laughs> this is what it is. The Brotherhood 2.0. AC, what kind of players are we getting? Yeah, we're getting we're getting two two top notch guys at their positions and two important positions. So we're gonna have to replace uh, a lot in the post, and we're gonna have to replace some guard play depending on who sticks around and who goes. And I think we're gonna talk about that a little bit later, uh, very briefly. But in uh, Derek Whitehead, you're getting a three level score. He's really the work he's put into creating his jump shot has been you know nothing short of amazing. Like. He, he was not a shooter. He was, that was one thing that was, you know, he was told by many, many people that was going to hold him back was he's not a shooter. He was, he was in that seventh woods conversation where he's like this supreme athlete from the age of 14 to, to 17 and 18, but his skills never caught up with that extreme athleticism. That was kind of where Derek was headed early on, but at USA camp, when he was a freshman, he talks about it, um, how much that changed. He was just watching some of the older guys and everything else, how much that changed what he knew he needed to do to make himself a professional, which is what he wants. And he's gone out and done it, man. He's, he's a top notch defender. He's got, he, he's turned, he's not just become a solid jump shooter. He is now a spectacular jump shooter um, from the standstill and off the move. He gets to the basket at will. He's so strong. He's stronger than anybody his age right now at that guard position. He just bullies guys around and he's just got a good head on his shoulders, man. He's, he's, he's like a very stoic player. Like he's not a guy who gets super excited but he's just so focused and just like laser focused. Honestly, and again, this is hyperbole, of course, and we just got him. I'm so happy and everything else. So it's going to sound like hyperbole, but what I'm really doing is just comparing the style of play and not who the guy is going to become. But he really does remind me of like what D Wade was in college with a a better jump shot. He's a guy who gets to the bucket, gets to the bucket. See, you're overreacting already. See, gets to the bucket scores on three levels, plays exceptional defense, and is a team leader. Like, that's what D. Wade was, and I think that's what Derek Whitehead could be in, at the college level. Uh, and, so, tell, and, so, so, yeah, so tell me about uh, Kyle Filipowski. Yeah, so with Filipowski, you get a guy who he's going to do a lot of his damage in the post, but he is able to step out and shoot. He kind of reminds me of, like, Laurie Markinen or, or Brandon Clark in a way, in that he's his game is still going to be centered around the interior but he is able to go back outside. So this is not Matt Hurt we're talking about where he's going to shoot 10 threes a game. Like he's, he's going to get his efficient chances at threes, but his, his work is definitely going to be done from the high post and end. And, and that's a good thing. Cause that's what you want out of him. He's, he's a guy, I don't see him as a one and done, but he's big and he's got the skill set and the potential and all that. I just don't know that he's a surefire one and done um, in terms of the talent level and everything else. And some of the things he needs to work on, to move to that next level, but he is, he is a, a good score from the interior, good score from, um, from the perimeter on the, the standstill jumpers. And that's, that's a big deal because we're going to, obviously we're going to need shooting and Shire has a distinct plan with what he sees with his team. So yeah, I think Kyle will fit that. will fit that. Yeah. So I, I think you make a great point and Jack, I want to bring you in on this. Um, you know, Kyle has a twin brother, right? So mm-hmm. 
in your opinion, Jack, you know, what do you feel? I mean, is Duke going to reach out to him as well? You know, it's kind of like the uh, the Mason Plumman thing to me, uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, the only reason we reached out to Miles was he decommitted from Stanford um, and, you know, kind of said, okay, yeah, we'll bring you in. We needed it. And by the way, Miles started his first game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my question to you is, Jack, do you believe that, you know, Kyle's brother can come in here and actually be, you know, a solid contributor if in, indeed that happens? I mean, I think the talent gap between Miles and Mason is a very different from the talent gap between Kyle Filipowski and his, uh, his twin brother. I think okay. it's, I mean, it's certainly a possibility if Shire wants to, like, maybe that could be something in the sense of, uh, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, Chaz Surratt flipped his commitment from Duke to Carolina because they offered his little brother a scholarship for basketball, which mm-hmm. he ended up not taking to play football at Wake instead. But um, I think I think it's a possibility if they want to appease uh, Filipowski, but I, I, don't, I don't think it's a surefire thing to happen. I don't know if he necessarily can play basketball at the level that Kyle can in terms of like competing in the ACC night in night out. Um, outside of that, I think I think Kyle's a great pickup. Um, like AC said, he's he's gonna work in the post, but he can shoot it outside. I mean, you specifically said not like Matt Hurt, but I think late season Matt Hurt, where he like his three wasn't falling as much, so he was taking a lot of post shots. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminded me of like a Dirk Nowitzki type of offense. That's what I see out of Flip. I mean, as a junior, he was getting 21 and 13. Uh, those were his averages. Right. I'm, I'm really happy seeing him as our first piece in the class. Yeah, yeah he, sol- and he then... solidifies that need position because the post, we're hurting in the post after next season. So he, he's fitting a need position for sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah AC, I was actually going to ask you about that. So um, the, the reality here is that we're going to probably lose anywhere from five to seven guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so in your opinion... How many guys do we need to bring in? So I, I'm still projecting. I'm projecting that we bring back Jeremy, Wendell, Jalen, and Trevor. I'm predicting that. I think Trevor can have the type of season to put his name in that one-and-done hat. I don't know that the other three can. So Jalen, Jeremy, and Wendell, I, I see them coming back. Joey Baker has the opportunity to use his super senior year at Duke. We'll see if he does it. I I, I usually don't, don't believe that anybody's going to stay in the same place for five years. So I could absolutely see him going elsewhere or just moving on to the pros if he has a good type of season or whatever. But so I'm not going to count Joey in that right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that we have three coming back, none of them being post players, meaning in order to fill out a roster, you want to try to get 10 or 11 guys who can contribute. And that means that this recruiting class is probably going to have to be about five to six deep and then we're going to need to dip into the portal and grab two or three guys as well especially like experienced post players like we did this year with theo john that's what we're going to have to do coming up next season as well yeah and jack i i want to ask you this because you know unc is you know it's funny because um unc have both poached uh one of the uh, big men from marquette and unc is all about their you know their get and we're all about ours um, I think that R.S. fits a little bit better in terms of what he is. We know what his role is. Theo John, we know his role is going to be a big guy that rebounds and has five fouls, as AC likes to say. Um, <laughs> but, Jack, I mean, how do you feel about 
the transfer portal going forward um, as it relates to Duke. I have a feeling we're going to need to use it a lot because, like, let's be real. I know Shire is Shire, and he's already made a name for himself as a recruiter, but realistically, do you think we're going to get five, like, six, seven guys that are, like, incoming freshmen? I think there are guys who are going to be able to fit a need in the transfer portal also gives us a little more flexibility what, like with future rosters if you get a guy with like two or three years left as opposed to four years where you're potentially going to have to fill all four like all of those got scholarships up again in four years obviously that's never going to happen guys are going to leave early but it does leave that possibility i think the portal also with uh, the lifting of the red shirting requirement if you tra- like I think I think the transfer portal is going to be a huge thing. I think uh-huh. Theo John and Bates Jones, who, from what I understand, actually might get a little bit of play every, yep. every night, like might be getting one, two minutes here and there in each half. I think that's just the beginning, honestly. I think there's a lot, there's a lot where that came from. Even like, this is a terrible comparison, but even as a kid playing College Hoops 2K on my PlayStation, <laughs> I like... I took advantage of transfers as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> call me crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah, you do it. I, was I, love, I love it. I love it. I love the honesty. My favorite thing as a kid was when, like, Shire Zubek would transfer to the school I was coaching. I get so excited. <laughs> but, like, that's the thing. Transfers are always useful because they want to play. And if there's a guy who grew up as a Duke fan, like, this is a more realistic example. Cam Johnson graduated mm-hmm. in three years yeah, after, right, and yeah. redshirted at Pitt, grew up a Carolina fan. His dream was to play at UNC. He was able to live that out after, like, on a grad transfer. Yep. Obviously, yeah, he... I, I hate Cam Johnson with all my <laughs> everything. Yeah. But, like, that's an no, example. No, I mean, you, you, you make a great point. Um, and I think that you're right about that. The reality is. Is that the transfer portal is here to stay, um, and AC and I have battled back and forth about this one, which is, you know, I think that there's no way the NCAA at this point can take away that, you know, because right now it's an emergency one-year ban in terms of like you don't have to sit out for one year uh, if you transfer. Mm-hmm. I have no way of knowing this, but I can't believe in my heart of hearts that the NCAA is going to be able to that away like you, you you can't say eventually that um oh no we're going to put the uh, one-year plan ban in place again where you know if you transfer um you have to sit out a year there's no way um so like ac tell me in terms of i guess here's how i'm phrasing it. like in terms of recruiting the transfer portal we already know john is phenomenal at recruiting mm-hmm. um that that's been proven over the last five, six years, and obviously right now with the last two pickups we've had in the last week. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the transfer portal, it's a different animal. And one of the reasons that, you know, players are, you know, hesitant to come to a program like Duke is very obvious, you know, your minutes are not guaranteed. Right. So, AC, tell me how John's going to navigate the transfer portal. Well, it's it's like when you raise a kid and kid and your whole family's involved, and they say you know it takes a village to raise a baby, or whatever. Like that's what it's going to be with his program. It's it's going to take the entire the entirety of 
Duke from from the president of the university down to the athletic director, down to all the support staff that they use within the basketball community at Duke um, to to make it to make it a viable program. And that's what like the, the NIL, how 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 Duke succeeds and the Duke players succeed in the NIL and the transfer portal go hand in hand because either Duke's going to be losing guys and have to dip into the portal or they're going to be keeping their guys and retaining players or just turning these one and dones over and still getting the new ones. And then they don't have to rely on it as much. I, I think that's, that's kind of where we sit and you can see it with some of these, some of the latest recruits we got, you can see it with Jalen Blakes. That's a four year plan type of guy. You can see it with their recruiting Jaden Shutt, who I think we're going to get. That's a four year guy. Uh, Phil Filipowski. I don't, I think he's two to three years. You know what I mean? So it's, you build you build the brand by keeping these top talents, but being able to keep some guys around, and you don't have to dip into that portal as much. But they, I think John Shire will be more willing to dip into the transfer portal than Kay was, because of because of the changing environment and the, the changing climate in basketball. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, I think that the reality is that the game has changed, and I think that you know, look. You know, AC, let, let's, let's be real here. Let's, let's put this all on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to bring Jack into this because it's a you and me <laughs> issue. It's a you and me issue now. All right. You and, I, you and I told everyone this, that the reason that Kay has to hand it up is because the game has changed. Mm-hmm. And so it's a younger man's game now. It's a younger, yep. na- younger man's game now, and... I think that John is the perfect guy for the job. Mm-hmm. And Jack, I want to ask you this. In terms of recruiting, in terms of social media, you own the social media for, for, for the Duke brand, honestly, because outside of Duke MBB, you are Duke.MBB. You got 50,000 followers following you. That's tell true, me, yeah. Jack, tell me, Jack, like, what are people saying about John Shire? Um, when the announcement was made, it was pretty 50-50 on him, whether they liked it or they didn't. When it came to the higher people, people were like, I want Johnny, I want Tommy, I want Bobby. Like, you know, the, the guys who mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. legends on the floor, and with the exception of Bobby and all that, they were guys who were like, who were the top assistant under K for multiple years. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, I think it's shifted a lot in the last couple months, seeing... Um, just people are warming up to the idea of Shire and remembering that he was able to be a point guard in college and win a championship playing out of position. Like he was able to do that. He was very smart on the floor. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of people warming up to it is that remembering how good he was as a coach on the floor. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think people are much more willing to think of Shire as our next coach than they were a few months ago. I think, I mean, call me crazy, but it's a stage. It's stages of grief thing we're going through. Like people are finally <laughs> accepting K is yep. gone. Like, yeah, for sure. Shire's the guy for the job. That's my own opinion. He's the guy mm-hmm. for the job. It seems people are warming up to that finally now. The ones that were not a fan of it before, and I think that's a good thing because, you know, hopefully we're going to be stuck with them for another thirty, forty years. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I would love that. Yep, but. And- and, and you know what I like actually is that Paul Filipowski continues the Polish tradition. That's right. Oh, God. <laughs> That's right. So we got That's that going for us. Um, 
I'll okay, also so say I... about Filipowski real quick. Yeah. He did say in his statement when he committed, uh, yes. I don't forget, I, I forget who it was to, but he told a reporter that he expects Duke to be just as good as they are, like they have been historically by the time he graduates from Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and honestly, Jack, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because I was going to uh, bring that up as well, that I loved his announcement. I loved mm-hmm. what he had to say. And Jack, I want you to continue on that because what Kyle had to say was, I'm not just here for a short time. I'm here for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm here for the whole thing. And again, now that the NIL is in place, a guy like him can make money regardless. He doesn't have to leave early. A guy like Matthew Hurt, if, if you know, you know, to be, you know, truth be told, like he could have stuck around and made some money. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying that he should have stuck around. And that's all I'm saying. But yep. to your, to your point though, you know, Kyle had made that statement. He's, he's, his plan is to graduate from Duke. So Jack, tell me about, you know, that whole thing. Like, tell me about um, Kyle's statement. Talk, talk about the players now going forward. Where this opportunity now is, you can stay one, two, three, four years and make some money. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a chance. This is an opportunity. People, um, some guys have honestly missed out on in the past because they have needed or wanted. Like, great example, Jabari Parker. I obviously he was the number two pick in the draft, but he almost didn't leave because he loved Duke so much. Mm-hmm. He left because his family was running out of money and he needed to help support them. He could have done that at Duke, which oh, Jabari on that championship team would have been phenomenal. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> oh, 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 first example that popped into my head. <laughs> we, can, we can go more in depth on that later. <laughs> But um, that's just the first thing I remembered. But yeah, there. This is a thing where like you got a fringe guy like mm-hmm. a DJ Stewart. I'm not gonna say Matt Hurt because until literally the week of the draft, he was predicted to get picked mm-hmm. early second round. I don't know what happened with that. But like a DJ Stewart, a Cassius Stanley, a Trevon Duvall, um, any of those guys who had an opportunity to come back but would not have been able to make any money off of it. Mm-hmm. These are that's a thing you can do now. We're going to see guys who are at their level of skill maybe come back to school, have a little bit of a uh, little bit more spotlight on them at the college level, and then be able to turn pro with a little bit of money in their bank account already. That's something that I, I'm really excited about. Looking at the, uh, I'm looking at Kyle's statement on why he uh, chose Duke right now and you got you got a guy who's gonna you got a team that's gonna be in the national spotlight. All of our games are on ESPN. It's a top ten school consistently in the national rankings, and the people that you meet on campus and on the team are going to help you become the best person you can be. I think I think that's honestly the best pitch you can give to anyone, especially yeah. with yeah. as we've talked about all the focus with NIL. You're set. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean AC. I know you mm-hmm. want to chime in on that. Like, yeah, it's it's go ahead, it, uh, yeah no it's 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 what it it's it's as fans we have to almost become more nimble in our thinking. Like with Kyle saying something like that, you know, the past the past fifteen twenty years, it's like you can be very cynical with his statement and just say, ah, oh, of course he's saying that, or oh, he's he's going to graduate after he goes pro, whatever else. But 
we could very well in five or six years be talking about like regularly talking about four-year players again man and that's like that's a really exciting prospect for college basketball because clearly we have a podcast about it we love college basketball we love what it brings the emotion the intensity everything else that comes with it there's nothing like it in almost any other team sport out there because of how fast-paced the game is and everything and you, you can't you can't duplicate it in the pros the way the fans feel about the teams so you know it's a very exciting prospect to be able to think and say yeah, we're you know not even have to not even have to create announcements for guys staying because they're it's you know it's the thought process is they're going to be staying so you can you know you can think about your team's future a little more that way like that's a really exciting prospect for the NCAA and and shame on them for shooting themselves in the foot for so long but also kudos to them for finally getting getting on board and doing this to save to save their ass really. And you see, you completely agree. And actually, Jack made a great point earlier. Uh, you know, you mentioned Duvall, you mentioned Cassius, Lynch, you know, all those guys, they could have stayed and made some money at Duke. Another guy that could have stayed and made some money at Duke, and AC, you and I have talked about this a number of times, mm-hmm. um, the 99 team, and I know this is a sore subject for uh, all the Duke fans. Uh, um, the 99 team, William Avery was the point guard there. Mm-hmm. He was one of my favorite players. By far, mm-hmm. uh, I think he's one of the more underrated players, if you ask me, quite frankly. Um, the chatter that I've been watching on some of the Duke message boards, by the way, AC, I'm not sure we've seen this. It I'm has not. been that William Avery threw the game against UConn in the 99 championship. And I'm sorry, ah. I thought this was, no, no, sorry. Uh, I thought that this was going to be an emergency podcast, but I had to throw that in there. I, I can't <laughs> let this go. I cannot let this go. I can't. Oof. Oh. Yeah. Look, man. Jack, you probably weren't even alive at this point. But like, I was look. not. You are correct. I was <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. It's, but it's, here, it's here's the reality. <laughs> that Look, that 99 team was the best fucking team I've ever seen. I'm sorry for the kids watching and listening at home. But that was the best team that I've ever seen. And I will. I refuse to watch the 99 UConn game again. Mm-hmm. I will never watch it again. And I'm sorry that I won't. Um, but if you're trying to tell me that William Avery threw that game, then I got I mean, look. I don't know what to tell you, but AC, what do you got? I don't, I don't disagree, but I'm not saying it happened either. Can I do that? Can I play the Skip Bayless role and just play both sides of the fence here? <laughs> no, 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 Whoa, 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 beep, 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 back it up. What did you just say? I said, I, I said, if it, if it came to fruition, if that, if they said, like, if, if there was an investigation done or something, or Will, Will Avery in some memoir wrote, hey, yeah, I, I threw the game or something, I wouldn't be sitting at home, like, looking at that and be like, no way, really? No, oh, God, like, dude, I, like, watching that, there's a reason, other than that we lost, there's a reason that, as Duke fans, we can't watch that game. AC, <laughs> I, I'm going to let you finish, but, like, my jaw is on the ground right now. You're saying that it is a possibility. I am saying I wouldn't be surprised. I'm saying that it's not outside of the realm of possibilities for someone in college I wish, to throw I a game. Wish, I, wish, I wish we had a video on me right now. My, my jaw is on the ground. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? So you think you think all all of college sports in history has, no, been, no, no, has been clean no, no, no. No, and nobody no, does no, anything no, dirty? No, 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 Jack, Jack, don't let, 
Jack, don't <laughs> let him do that because do not go that route. You're better than this. You know how I feel about black Hispanics. Don't uh-huh, do that. Uh-huh. So don't I'm asking a question. A big black statement out there and be like, oh, it could be. And well, you have to be specific here. Okay, I'll be, I'll be specific. I will be specific. It feels that game has always felt weird to me. It has always felt weird that uh, Trajan Langdon falls down. I'm not saying he did it. I'm saying it always felt weird that the ball was shoved in his hands and had, he had the trip coming down the court because he was oh triple teamed. I'm not. I, I am. I would not be surprised. I thought it was weird that Will Avery was turning the ball over like crazy. I thought it was weird that Elton Brand couldn't get any touches in the post. It's all weird. Very weird. And okay, college, so, college sports okay, has so. never been completely clean, never ever. And a school like Duke is not immune from somebody oh being oh offered money from somebody. They're not. They're not immune to that. Like it's it's foolish for us to think that they're immune to that. All right, Jack. I'm gonna let you have this one because I, I you know, I'm gonna go off. So, Jack, you, I, you respond. <laughs> I um, I mean, I can't disagree. College sports. My my grandfather, when he was in college, he actually very briefly was on one of the teams that, after he left the team, was sanctioned in the point-shaving scandal. So, oh, like, I, it's, that's the reason that the amateurism rules were put into effect. Mm-hmm. Money in college basketball has always been a thing. There have been multiple point-shaving scandals. I'm talking about the one from the, uh, the late 40s and early 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it happens. There was one then. There was one in the 60s that uh, Connie Hawkins was involved in. Yep. He ended up being banned from the NBA briefly because of that. Um, UCLA. UCLA had point exactly. scandals yep. that, that they were able to sweep under the rug. You know I mean? It's college because football. UCLA, college football yeah. is like, it's rampant SMU's in college football. had their issues with, I don't remember the specifics of that one, but like, there are, like, college sports have never been and likely will never be completely clean in that sense. Mm-hmm. But I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I've never watched fair, like, 99 games. Jack, to be fair, pro sports are the same way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. It's all money. Pete Rose. When people's money is on the line, they can't leave it Tim up Donahue. to chance. Tim Donahue. Exactly. Tim Donahue. Tim Donahue, Donahue Pete, like, oh, Tim Donahue is actually from a town over from me. By the way, I did, wa- I did listen to the uh, Tim Donahue podcast. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say that I uh, recommend it, but it is worth a listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go, go noted, ahead, Jeff. Definitely noted. Um, college, college athletics, like sports in general, never going to be clean in that sense. I've never watched the 99 games, so I cannot tell you definitively if I think that Avery or okay. like Langdon or EB or anyone like – did anything to throw the game. All, all I know is I've seen the, the last few seconds, and I am very concerned right. or confused as to why the the two guard was bringing the ball up while triple teamed. No, all right, all right, Jack, I gotta cut you off. All right, AC, mm-hmm. before I uh, before I give the pipe on here, why don't you tell me right now why you think that there's a possibility that William Avery threw that game? Because, like we saw back then. It was guys who were coming out of low-income areas trying to make money for their families. They couldn't do it legally because of the rules no, the NCAA no, okay, put in yeah, place. Yeah, so now, you asked for it. You asked for it, and then you cut me off, right? Now you really got me turned into Skip Bayless. It's my turn. It's my turn, right? 
that whole thing. <laughs> but go ahead, go ahead. But when you when you I'm have far these kids, now, Jack. Look, Sorry, here you go. Jack. Here you go. Now you you go ahead. I need you to go ahead because you are in a place right no, now. No, 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 no. It's your turn, Skip. Do it's your, your thing. Turn, Skip. Do your thing. No, I want no, you to sit no, back and laugh. No, it's your turn, Skip. Go ahead. Bottom line, it's money. That's the short short answer. It's money. That's the short and, answer. But it's you, money. you haven't told me how yeah. he threw the right. But you haven't ter- told me how he threw the game. Wait, you want me to give you a? I'm not watching. That's not like the movie Blue Chips. I'm not watching tape and and rewinding back and forth to see why did Tony throw the ball out of bounds. You know what I mean? I'm not doing that. I'm not sitting here saying, yeah, I've been dissecting the 99 game for the past 20-some years to figure out who was who was throwing the game. I said when I watched it, it felt funny. And a, oh. team, a team that people say was so good playing a UConn team that was really not that talented, and we couldn't do oh. shit against them. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Woo. I don't know what to tell wow. you. Oh, my goodness. I just, I mean. The I best team we've ever seen, dude, 99. The be- we've never seen talent like that, right? We always say it. Everybody always I says it. I agree and, with that. And they looked no better than Marquette that game. Like, you, you tell me. Okay, how did they look against Michigan State in the Final Four? They looked fine. Like, again, yeah. like, like... They barely beat them. Yeah, but Michigan State played better than that UConn team played. They, Michigan State was playing out of their minds. If you you can go back and watch the commentary, you, it, that game is actually on YouTube. Uh, go back no, and watch no, that no, game. No, the, no, I the, get it. The, the commentators all game were like, "We've never seen Michigan State play like this." For them to be able to hang with that Duke squad, like we barely beat them, but it wasn't it wasn't the same game. That wasn't Duke dribbling the ball off their feet out of bounds and throwing the oh. ball away and turnover after turnover and not giving the ball to Elton Brand. It wasn't that at all. It was a totally different game. Okay, so let me ask you a question, and this is. I mean, this is very genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I'm going to throw the game, and, and if I if I'm looking back 20 years later, 22 years later, whatever mm-hmm. it is, I would go after Coach Hay then, say that he threw the game, because he did not give Elton Brand the ball, correct? Right. So do you think that Coach Hay threw the game? Well, I mean, just like we always talk about it, like you can only give the coaches so much credit, like the players are the ones playing. Did Coach K know? Who knows? If it was, if that even happened, number one, that's if that even happened, like right, like if 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 something like that occurred, like does the coach know? Is the coach a part of it? Is anyone else in the program a part of it? Is this just a booster player thing? Is this just you know some some random agent and a player thing? You know what I mean? Like there's like there's so many different hands in this, and it's like who even did anything at all? Like like you know. What, was it just genuinely some of these guys were buckling under the pressure and some weren't or what? Yeah, you know, I mean, so so unfortunately to me, uh, that's my that's my opinion that like they just they just kind of choked under the pressure. Look, there's two things that I'm going to tell you right, right now. One, people forget that UConn that entire year was number one the entire fucking year. Mm-hmm. Once we lost to Cincinnati, UConn was the number one team the entire year. Ricky mm-hmm. Moore. Which like they they were fucking great, and they were a great team. Um, so it's not it wasn't an action that they showed up in the championship game, right? So that's num- that's number one. Number two, if you're telling me that William Avery threw the game, why did he go four for four from the line? Why did he have five or six to only one turnover? I don't understand. If you're gonna if you're a point guard and you're throwing the game, you would clearly miss some free throws. You would clearly you know have a couple more turnovers. He didn't have any of those. I just think that Duke, for lack of a better term, showed in that game. And if I'm going to blame anybody for that game, 
Last of this, I know, is going to be Coach K because the reality was you have to give Elton Brand the ball. Elton Brand was a dominant player. Give him the ball. Trajan Landon, I know that he dribbled the ball off his feet, but he was 5 for 10 from 3. He had 25 points. He was fantastic the entire game. The reality was is that Elton Brand did not get the ball. Give him the ball. It still pisses me off to this day. And, Jack, I'm, I'm glad that you were allowed to see this game because I've, I've never gotten over it. I never will. But, Jack, tell me that I'm crazy. My whole family was at the game. I'm not even allowed to talk about it. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, it Fair was – it's – you're not wrong. EB, I, I was taught very young. EB was an incredible player. That whole 97 recruiting class, the ones that finished their careers at Duke, all of them were incredible players at the college level. Uh-huh. And a couple of them became phenomenal players at the NBA level. It's just – you got to I mean, Langdon, yeah, Langdon had the most points a Duke player has ever scored in a championship game. But Elton Brand was the national player of the year, was the consensus best player in college basketball. And the dude was walking 20 and 10, and he didn't get touches in the game. He wasn't he even needs those. He wasn't it's even a two-point game. Exactly. It's a two-point game. You're getting triple teamed. You give the ball to the guy who's, like, Probably the best post scorer that Duke had ever seen to that point. By far. Pure post scorer, I'll say. Pure post scorer. By, 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 by far. And no, I, I, like, think, I, think, AC, I think you agree with that, right? Like, would you oh, say yeah. that Elton Brand by far was the best? Of course. Post scorer. Yeah, right. Of course. Like, only person I can even consider since then giving him a run for his money is Jaleel. Mm-hmm. But, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's it. I mean,. Come on, it's it's basketball at the end of the day is a big man's game. Like, say what you want about the new, like, the smaller guy being the dominant player recently. But at the end of the day, basketball is a big man's game. If you're in a two-point game, you give the ball to your guy who can get two points mm-hmm. 90% of the time. Yeah. AC, I'm going to you out before. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I, like like I said, I'm not. I, I would I would like to go on record saying I'm not sitting here saying that someone threw the game. I am definitely saying, <laughs> if someone said it was possible that it happened, and one of the guys on the team came out and said, "Yeah, I did that," I wouldn't be like, I, I wouldn't be shocked. That's all I'm saying. I just wouldn't be shocked if they said that because of how dominant that team was. But I, I think it's I think it's funny and kind of silly that you know people someone is calling out Will Avery specifically. Like that's that's very odd to me. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and and I'm not accusing that, uh, accusing you of that at all, because uh, I know that you know you have uh, deep feelings for how great William Avery was as a point guard. And just I did that a, just not as a commentator. Uh, yeah, well, we'll go we'll go into that. Um, but 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 but, but, but AC, I will ask you this um, before we wrap up. In terms of two point guards, mm-hmm. eight no. Avery has to be one of the most underrated pointers that we've had. Yeah, he's I mean, we we obviously this team is point guard you and we've had phenomenal point guards and everything, but Will Avery is up there in the top 5 easily. Easily in the top 5. I, I think I think you have I think you have Bobby and Jason as as one and two, however you yeah. want to put them. Yeah. And I think that's a tier on itself. And then the next tier down is where you have 
Kyrie, if you can count him, you have Will Avery, you have um, you have uh, Tyus Jones, even even Trey Jones kind of started working his way up there. It's a shame that he didn't get to finish that off of the tournament. I, I think that yep. would have changed his place in Duke history as well. But you, you have those guys on those, those next couple tiers. And but Will Avery is on that tier right below Jason Williams and Bobby Hurley. And he was knocking on that doorstep. And if, you know, if times were different or his family situation was different or something else, you almost got to wonder what, if he would have stuck around because Jason Williams always he's, he's talked about before in the past when he was being recruited that he thought he was going to come in and play behind Will Avery and that and that Will was going to be the guy to kind of put him under his wing, kind of like Ron Curry did with Joe Forte at UNC and put him under his wing and, and, and help him along so he didn't get thrown to the fire right away and he didn't get that luxury. He, he mentioned that on, uh, I believe it was Andre Dawkins' podcast, um, that, you know, that he was just like kind of J.J. Reddick said the same thing about Mike Dunleavy. You know, yeah. Jason Williams said that he thought he was going to have Will Avery there to help him out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and Jack, I want you to have a final word. Going forward, Jeremy Roach, he has a chance to be the next Duke point guard. Does he have any chance to be in that litany? In terms of, you know, the Will Avery's of the world, I'm not asking him to be Jason Williams. I'm not asking him to be Bobby Hurley. But do you believe that he can be that next Duke point guard to lead, lead us to a national championship? Yes, I do. I very much do. We've seen we've seen sophomore leaps, um, especially with point guards in the past. Like, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's going to be Jay Williams. We've seen we saw Jason Williams that sophomore leap he had. Like, he went from, like, decent ACC point guard to winning one of the National Player of the Year awards and single-handedly getting us to the championship game and winning the championship um, with that comeback against Maryland, or both of the comebacks against Maryland. But, like, I've said it before. I don't know if he'll reach it, but I do see the potential of a Jay Williams-type player for Roach. I don't think he'll reach that. I don't think he'll ever be a number one guy on the team in that sense at co- in the co- like at the college level. But I see the potential there, and I think he can be one of those guys. I think he can be a Trey Jones. He can be he can be a Jay Will in terms of being the PG on a team that's that good. And like I've we saw we saw it a few times last year when he was able to step up and have a really like truly elite game when the floor is spaced for him, give him a chance to drive or shoot. He's gonna be that guy, and he's gonna play well. I think he's got that chance. And there we have it, the Five Point Play Podcast team, the three man weave. We are ready. <laughs> we are back. John Shire is continuing to prove that he is the best recruiter in the nation, bar none. Duke basketball, the Brotherhood 2.0, will continue. Let's go, Duke. Let's go, Duke. Let's go, Duke. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the Five Point Play podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Five Point Play podcast. Let's go, Duke.